0: All right, we're going to get into our Sunday School lesson this morning. We've been talking about uh, putting your life in order. The lesson specifically is Overcoming the Devil. We are uh, really on the bottom of page number 51, I think, is kind of where we left off. I I touched on the first point of uh, page, uh, um, these are, that says 53. Where did 52 go on your lessons there? um let's see all right so yeah bottom of page 51 beginning of page 52 is where we left off uh, last week. We see that the devil attacks us, and he attacks us in three uh, different areas, physically, intellectually, and morally. We discussed those, looked at those. We know that Satan is going to attack us that way. And with that understanding, with that knowledge, then we can be prepared and ready to defeat the devil, ready to uh, resist the devil, to stand or withstand against the devil. And that's, as Christians, we want to be able to do. We've got to be cautious and ready Ready to recognize the subtle deceit that the devil brings into our lives, which is why we have that key verse dealing with the devil. Does it be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. We know that he is a subtle roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so we've got to be cautious and aware of that, knowing that he attacks us these ways. We concluded last week with the assurance that uh, God has given us the victory. We know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4 there, the top of uh, page 52, that uh, we know that he's there and he has promised and uh, given us the victory because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That is the first blank on the top of page number 52 and we're going to be walking down from there through these, these notes today, we see that that was God's plan in First uh, John 3, verse number 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus Christ came, the Son of God was manifest, and he has given to us the power and the victory to overcome Satan. He came and is going to or has destroyed the works of the devil. As we talked about on Thursday night, that we are fighting this battle against the devil from a point or from a place of victory, not a place of defeat. In uh, 1 John two fourteen, he says, I have written unto you, young men, ye have overcome the wicked one. Ye have overcome the wicked one. That's something that is promised to and available to all of us, and we should be overcoming the wicked one. Jesus overcame Satan when he rose from the dead, and he has given us that protection from Satan. So when Jesus arose from the dead, when Jesus um, conquered uh, and won victory over death and the grave, uh, he won that victory not just for him, but he has given that victory to us. And we have that victory over Satan, not because of anything that we have done or can do, but because of him that is in us, that empowers us to be able to have the victory. Um, So to be victorious over Satan, we must use God's methods and all of his armor, uh, trying to live in our own way ensures failure, not victory. Now we know that Satan's been defeated and we should be able to defeat him as well. Learning how to have victory as a Christian is really a matter of learning how to be spiritual. Okay, that's learning how to be spiritual. That's ultimately what it is. When you're talking about being victorious as a Christian, there's the battle and this fight with Satan, and we know that. But it's not, it's really learning how to live a spirit-filled life. Learning how to be spiritual. And if you are spiritual, and if you are spirit-filled, you will be having victory over Satan. And so that's what we want to learn how to do. He tells us here we need to put on the whole armor of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter number 6. A lot of what we'll be referencing or looking at in these next uh, few points is from Ephesians 6. And we see Ephesians 6.10, that passage that that deals with and talks about the whole armor of God. And uh, it doesn't matter uh, how long we've been saved... Uh, these principles and truths are necessary for us to have victory over Satan. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse number 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. So understanding that we're to be strong in the Lord. is not just a, a command to say, hey, just man up, just be strong. No, he's saying you need to find strength in God. Strength to fight Satan and God. This is not something that we can do in and of ourselves, but with the Lord, we can do it. And so he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're instructed to stand against Satan. That is something we need to have in our heart and mind to realize God has given us a victory and we're to stand against him. Verse number 12 tells us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand, again, that principle, that idea of standing against Satan in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, Wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So this armor and uh, this tools of, of protection, as well as the sword of the spirit, a offensive tool that's used to defeat Satan. Be strong in the Lord and his power. We're able to stand and withstand the other blank there against the methods of the devil. Um, because of what God has done for us. You can stand and withstand against him. Uh, That word withstand, some people, you know, the idea of there's some things you just can't withstand. You know, you just can't take it anymore, it's just too much, uh, you know, there's little things, some things that bother different people, they have idiosyncrasies, and, and, you know, you just can't withstand it, we can make it really simple and just talk about some young people, sometimes a, a, a brother aggravating his sister, and she reaches the point where she just can't stand anymore, you know, she, she's had all she can stand, she's, she's done withstanding him, you know, well, we are told to stand against Satan, but withstand his onslaught. He keeps coming. He keeps coming. He keeps coming. He's not going to give up. And so we're told to withstand it and we do it with the power of God. We are not to retreat. We're not to turn tail and run. Uh, You'll notice all of the armor that God gives us is protection from the front. We don't have any armor that covers our back. Uh, We're to stand against Satan and his evil uh, ways. And uh, knowing that he's in a evil enemy, we should stand against him in the power of God. Um, let me ask you, uh, the, we, we think about Satan and we really think and consider him about this spirit or this evil influence that's in the world, and he's there, but especially in a, what we are founded as, a Christian nation, um, is not something that we face on a direct face-to-face uh, realm very much. It is getting more prevalent with all of the focus on the occult and uh, with the uh, you know people getting involved in, in demon worship and all these crazy things. It's getting more and more prevalent here in America. But on the foreign field, something missionaries deal with uh, quite often uh, because they are steeped in that. Uh, and so um, what I'm saying is if we had somebody here this morning That was literally possessed of the devil. If he was speaking from the other side, let's say we had a young lady that was here speaking with a man's voice. And declaring things, uh, you know, this, this, a possessed man, maybe distorting her body. Maybe she was hurting herself. Maybe it was just obvious to everybody present. This woman was completely possessed of a devil. I think everybody here would be concerned for this young lady. We would be uh, fervently praying for her. We would, in the name of Jesus Christ, be calling and asking God to deliver her from this devil, right? But let me ask you something. Why is it that that physical manifestation of Satan's presence here in church... Why would that have such a direct impact on our hearts and lives? What I'm saying is that every single day, you and I are in a war against that enemy. And I know lots of times we don't see him. Lots of times, it's not not something that we look at and, and we can say, oh, we have, you know, Satan has definitely possessed this person and we would be fervently praying for her and saying man God would you do something and calling upon him but we are in a spiritual battle right now here in this room yeah. because we're talking about the means and the ways in which Satan would love to destroy the Christian's life and any time you, you uh, punch Satan he punches back so we're in a spiritual warfare even this morning, but a lot of times we, we don't think about that or don't realize how important it is and how necessary it is that we have God on our side. If we saw a possessed woman here this morning, there would be nobody here that in their mind would think, oh, well, I'll take care of that. Oh, no, every one of us would be, man, we need God's presence. We need God to deliver her of this. This is something that we cannot fight. Well, we can't fight Satan. Even in our flesh, even in our own ability, this is not something that we can deal with. So we need to be strong in the power of His might. And it's something we need to be conscious and aware of as Christians that we have that enemy. Your strength, beloved, comes from God. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 in your notes there, he says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Amen. It's from God. Our sufficiency is from God and the ability to conquer him. Philippians uh, 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. What's that? Which strengthens me. Amen. That's what he says. Psalm 61 verses 2 and 3 he says, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from my enemy again our strength comes from God now God gives you strength when you realize that you are weak God gives you strength when you realize you're weak it is an understanding and an acknowledgement of needing his presence of needing his power and when we're in that place God says okay it's just like God says if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of God It's an understanding that we need wisdom and God's saying, okay, when you realize that and you come to me asking, hey, he's ready to give it. He wants to give it, but he needs us to come to the realization we're in a place that we need it. And so God is saying, listen, you need my strength, but to the man or woman that is standing on their own and I can handle this and I know God's there if I need him, but I'll call him when I'm ready that person is going out without the strength of God. They need to be in a place where we realize how weak and ins- insufficient we really are to fight this battle. And we need God's help to do it. Now, we can come through the battle victorious. You know, we, uh, <laughs> we the guys, we play softball sometimes, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, we enjoy playing softball. But uh, on occasion, some of the older men... I mean, we enjoy hitting the ball, but we don't necessarily enjoy running around the bases that much. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the bases are getting I don't know what's happening. They're putting them further and further apart. I don't know. Uh, It's just that base looks a long ways away. And so sometimes what we'll have is you'll have a ghost runner, right? You'll get one of these young guys and say, "Okay, Timothy, you're young and skinny. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to hit the ball and you're going to run for me. And so he's running for me. And we can win that way. Well, you know, that's what we need. We come, come to a situation here fighting the devil. We need God to be with us on the team. We can't just go up and say, hey, I'm going to handle this myself. I can handle it. I can do it. We are strong when we're aware of our own weakness. Uh, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. If we're ever going to know God's strength, we've got to know our own weakness. And then we can really know and experience the strength of God. You're strong by waiting on God, Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Our theme this year is literally resting and revival. The idea of waiting on God the idea of that when we wait on him, we are strengthened, we are renewed, we are revived. Amen. Has there ever been a time in your life where you were weak? Times. And you waited on God and felt and knew his renewing strength? Yes. I mean, those times are precious times. If you've been through it, there are times you look back at it and it's just... A, a miraculous and wonderful thing when you sit and wait on God, when you spend time in prayer and you're reading the scriptures and maybe listening to some, some godly music and coming back and just you, you just feel so weak, you just feel so so done with the battle, like you can't go on. But when you spend that time, then God renews your spirit. He strengthens you, gives you energy you didn't know you had. And what an amazing thing to experience and know that God... It strengthens us that way. You're strengthened through the inner man. You're strengthened through the inner man. There is a bunch of uh, passages of Scripture. Uh, be a good study for somebody to look at the, all of the 316s. Of course, we all know John 316. But there are many 3, 316s in the New Testament that deal with the inner man, that deal with being strengthened in the inner man. Um, and, you know, like Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, that the word of Christ is dwelling in you. It's, it's, it's in you. And it's, it's the inner man that is being strengthened. It's not just, oh, I... I got to physically get stronger, but the inner man is strengthened. In Ephesians 3.16, in your notes there, he says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So the inner man is what we need to have strengthened. Your soul needs a constant supply of God's grace so that you can be consistently or constantly invigorated in your spiritual life. Um At camp at summer camp, they were supposed to be out in the jungle, and they did a they did a skit for the young people and i wasn 't there for that service, but I heard about it where they were doing the the skit and they're supposed to be in the jungle and and dying, you know, and they're coming in water water, I need water, and they 're trying to find their way to get some water. And, you know, ultimately some guy gets there and he's crying for water and he takes out his water and he pulls out his comb and dips it in there and combs his hair. <laughs> you know, he needs some water, <coughs> um, need water. Uh, but the idea, you know, water revitalizes, strengthens, um, you know, we're strengthened spiritually through the water of the word. Amen. And we need to look and think about how is that inner man going to be strengthened Through daily prayer and Bible reading, God will enable you to bear your trials, to resist temptation, to obey his commands, and to live a life of faith. It is through the new man, the inner man, that you become strong, uh, that you are victorious. And uh, it's possible, but that inner man has to be strengthened. Uh, The inner man is strengthened when you feed The spirit. When you feed the spirit. So you have the spirit and you have your flesh. We feed our flesh pretty consistently because it tells us when it's hungry. It tells us when it's thirsty. We feel all those needs currently and presently and and we take care of the flesh pretty good. Sometimes too good. But what about feeding the inner man? What about feeding the spirit? That's what we need to do. If we're going to be victorious over Satan, over the devil, we need to feed that inner man. How do we feed the spirit? Um, obviously, he says here, read the Bible. That's feeding your spirit. Sometimes you're reading the Bible and you say, you know, I didn't really get anything out of that. I'm not sure it is worth it. But you're feeding the spirit. You're, you are getting strength, even whether you know it or not. You're feeding the spirit, reading the Bible. Spending time in prayer talking to the Lord, you're, you're, you're doing spiritual things and you're feeding the Spirit, being, being in church, feeding the Spirit, being in church, being in Sunday school, spending time studying the Word of God, uh, listening to good godly music can feed your spirit, can strengthen you. Sometimes, I'll tell you what, especially if you're involved in, in spiritual warfare, if you're really battling something, just putting some good music on can, can change everything. I've had people talk to me about they, they feel oppressed. They feel Satan really coming after them. And I say, listen, don't be in your house without good music playing. Put scripture around your house. I mean, people, you know, they're, they're young in the Lord. They're just coming to Christ. And, and you go in their home and they've got pictures of movie stars or rock stars up on the wall. And they've got, you know, Elvis Presley in, in their dining room. And, and they've got all these things around their house. But they don't have God. So we need to get some scripture up here. We need to get the word of God in, in the home, right? And, and I tell them, put the word of God up. Get it around you so you can see it, you can repeat it, and, and play good godly music. That's how you fight spiritual battles. Listening to good preaching can help. Um, being around spiritual people can help. You know, where two or three are gathered together, there I, what? There I am in the midst of them. So getting around spiritual people, other spiritual people can help. Praying together, but just being together. That's one of the reasons we need the church. We need that spiritual strengthening. We need that that encouragement from other brothers and sisters in Christ. We got to be, you know, we got to get to church, be in church. Church is the called out assembly. A church is an assembly. You can't assemble through Zoom. Now, I know it's a streaming is a media that's available, and praise God for situations where people are, are sick or, you know, going through surgery or things like this where they can't get here. They can, but that streaming was never meant to replace the church house. It's a tool that's used when you can't get to the church house, but not meant to replace it. You know, we still have some people that haven't been back to church since 2020. Since 2020. But they would still, if you asked them, they would call Hunt Valley Baptist Church their church. And when I see them in town, they're like, oh yeah, we watch the services. Well, let me encourage you, if you're watching, come. Be be at Hunt Valley Baptist Church. We need to be around other Christians. You need that for spiritual strengthening. If you're going to be victorious over Satan, that's something that you need in order to win the battle. This is how we are strengthened. Now, let me ask you something. If this is how I gain strength, if I leave any of these things out of my life, what is the result? Less strength, less strength. Less strength weakness. And in direct proportion to how much we leave out or how much we discard or, or not participate in, that's how much weaker we are. And some other, sometimes people have a question or, or they wonder, like, how come I'm not winning spiritually? Well, because you're not preparing for the battle. You're leaving everything out. You're you're, you're not investing. You're not feeding the Spirit. If you start living spiritually, doing those things you know God wants you to do, being obedient, then you can win the battle. Your dependence and trust in Him must be strengthened as you see the wickedness of the world around you. You must learn to stand and stand firm, not being swayed, by but trusting him and being obedient to him without hesitation or doubt. So that in the middle of that big sentence there, there's a or paragraph there's a, the word stand to fill in there. Um, you know, we just Thursday night as we as we walked out of church, I was talking to some ladies and they were describing the fact that in this world that we live in is so wicked. This this it just seems like. Every day, there's more hardship, more challenge, more wickedness, more stuff going on. You hear about this and that, and um, you know, just just this morning, my newsfeed came up: lady uh, charged with uh, killing her ten-month-old baby because she gave her ten-month-old baby fentanyl. What in the world? You think how how can people do these things like what's going on in the world and and you you almost you almost feel like it's a it's a hopeless battle so we got to be strengthened spiritually to fight the battle we got to know that uh we have god on our side or that we are with god and on god's side amen Amen. so even in the midst of all this wickedness wickedness, we know that god has a plan and that we're with and when we're with him we will be victorious how are you going to stand only by trusting only by trusting in him. So we see, first of all, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and that he's on our side. Secondly, we see we need to identify the works of the devil. Ephesians six twelve tells us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. In spiritual wickedness in high places, we need to be able to identify the works of the devil. We know that he's at work. The work of Satan is divided here in this verse into several different regions or ranks designated by these main areas that are listed in in Ephesians 6.12. You have the principalities. The principalities, their evil spirits, divided into ranks or orders, under the control of one mighty leader. Then you have powers; those are thrones, dominions, princedoms, virtues, or powers. um, That uh, I think there's a typo there, but that's what it's supposed to be. You have these the powers that are that are divided. Then you have the rulers of darkness, the rulers that preside over the regions of ignorance and sin with which the earth has been bound. You have rulers, leaders, that are ultimately, even unbeknownst to them, unaware, they are under the control of of Satan and his leaders. They're they're fulfilling and accomplishing Satan's plan, and they're ruling in the darkness of this world, and you have spiritual wickedness. This is a reference to the evil spirits and to their influence that's here on earth, and it is very present and necessary. We know that it's out there. 2 Corinthians 2.11, let's lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, that's what the Bible says, we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, we're not supposed to be ignorant of his devices. We're supposed to know his tools and methods and be aware of what it is that he's doing, but the fact is, many times, Christians are ignorant of his devices. Or the fact is, is they are choosing to disregard what they know to be true, they're choosing to disregard it. You know, counterintelligence is vital to any uh, warfare. You know that the U.S. of course, their their agencies which deal in classified intelligence that they spend every year more on intelligence than they do on the Navy, Air Force, Army, and Marines combined? Counterintelligence. Understanding the enemy. Knowing what the enemy's doing. Knowing where the enemy's at. Counterintelligence is pretty important. We have this book that tells us what Satan is doing, and we are not to be ignorant of his devices. We are to know what it is that he's doing and how he would attack us. Second Corinthians 11, uh, 14 and 15 says, And no marvel, for Satan himself, is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers are also transformed and the minister, as ministers of righteousness, who in the end shall be according to their works. He says, listen, Satan is transformed into an angel of light. It shouldn't marvel, we shouldn't wonder or be shocked at the fact that uh, Satan can be presented as an appealing thing. He could per- be brought on the scene as something appetizing or desirous. He's going to be subtle. he's going to come into our lives not as a great big demon with horns that we're going to be afraid of, but as an angel of light. He's going to be presented as something like that. So we have this chart here given us. He says, do you recognize Satan's influence in your life? And We're supposed to be aware. We're not supposed to be ignorant of his devices. We are to be aware of his methods. I wonder how many of us are aware of how he's influencing our life. Are you listening to gossip? Are you filled with pride? Do you see pride coming or creeping in? You know, uh, only by pride cometh contention. There, you know, people talk about different problems they're, they're having. If you're having a problem with somebody, there's pride. There's, only by pride cometh contention. There's, there's pride there. The reason that you get offended is because of pride. You say, well, I'm not a proud person. Well, are you offended? Then there's pride. Because if there was no pride, you would not be offended. It wouldn't matter. You weren't thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think, and there would be no offense there, right? Uh, Because there's nothing to offend. And that's something that we all must fight against. But Satan comes and creeps in subtly, and we, we, we feel justified in our pride. Or we're not going to call it pride, but justified in how we feel. Um, Are you adopting or accepting the philosophies of the world? You know, the book of Acts says you cannot help but speak to things which I have seen and heard. We hear so much of this world and what happens in the world and so much news and so much things from out there today. That if you aren't careful, it'll start to shape your thinking. It'll start to shape how you feel about issues it'll start to shape how you think about, instead of thinking biblically, you'll think like CNN. I guarantee you there are many Christians that have a much higher intake of CNN than they do the Word of God. And if you can't help but speak to things without seeing seen and heard, then that's, that's what is influencing your life. And you've got to be careful that you're not starting to adopt the the philosophies are mindsets of the world. We need to have the mindset of God, not following authority, self-pity. Um, you know, this is a big thing today, self-pity. Victimhood is very popular. It's popular to be a victim. And uh, I'm, I'm a victim And I can do what I want or I can feel this way because I'm a victim because of this or because of that. Uh, Listen, we got to be aware of it and cautious, sinful habits that you have in your life. And there's a couple spots there for you to fill in and say, you know what? Maybe these are not things that you're dealing with, but Satan has influenced my life in this area. And you could make a note there and say, Lord, you need to, Lord, help me to. Uh, overcome this. Lord, help me to guard against this and be aware of it as Satan tries to creep into my life. So some spots for you to fill some things in. Um, We've got to be cautious and careful about that. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, We need to identify the works of the devil. Be aware of it. We shouldn't be ignorant of his devices. And number three here, we give no place or foothold to the devil. Give him no occasion to get his foot in the door of your heart. We know Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. It is necessary, beloved, for us to build a hedge about our life, about your family, like Job did, build a hedge around his family, offering sacrifices to God, uh, by your family altar, by reading the Bible, your faithful service to the Lord, uh, through serving in your church there, or your perseverance through the trials uh, you protect yourself and your family from the attacks of Satan. We've got to not give place to the devil. Don't allow him a foothold in your life. Don't allow him to come into the door. If You know, you will never be a drunk if you don't ever take the first drink. Amen. Right. You you will, you, just like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, if you bring every thought into captivity where it honors and pleases, pleases the Lord if you bring that thought into captivity immediately and say, wait, I can't think that, the Lord would not, is not happy with that, you're never going to steal something from the store because the first time you start thinking about stealing it, you'll stop. You know, somebody doesn't just go steal a car one day. They've been thinking about stealing things. They've been pondering that. And they'll, they'll start and steal some, some candy from a grocery store or from a gas station. And they'll get away with that. And so then they grow into the next thing. And they go to the next thing. They've given place to the devil. They've developed an appetite for getting things free. You know, I know you guys have seen news articles and stuff about people. Wealthy people that get caught stealing. I mean, they've got thousands of dollars in their purse. And they're stealing a twenty-five dollar shirt. Why? Because there's something about getting it for free, not paying for it, and and getting away with it. And they're addicted to it. But you know, you give place to the devil, and any one of us could be doing that. And and in any area of our life, we've got to don't give Satan a foothold. Don't let him in the door. Guard against it. Put a hedge up and say, okay, we're not going to do that. We we were downstairs yesterday building the. Uh, um stage for vacation bible school and we've got one section of the boat that's at six foot right now. And Matthew, Mills, and Joe. Morgan. <laughs> Thank you. Joe Morgan, we're up on that six foot level. And I don't stress too much about kids being up high. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't bother me. All my kids, I let them climb ladders and everything. I say, well, they don't want to fall any more than I want them to fall. They're going to be hanging on, you know. But when you get two kids up high, one might not be paying attention and bump the other one off, you know. And, and, and so they're on a six-foot platform already, and then Joe started climbing a ladder on top of the platform. And I called up there I said, Joe... Uh, Or or Matt, one of them, I don't know which one of them, started climbing the ladder. I said, don't, because I could see him coming down the ladder and then backing up and knocking the other one off. A prudent man foreseeth the evil. (laughs) And I'm like, one of them kids is going to go for a spill. Not because they weren't, you know, it's just because two up there and they're messing around and playing. So I I said, you guys settle down, don't climb that ladder. And, And they were fine, nobody got hurt. But we don't have any guardrails up yet. So Brother Glover is our safety inspector. (laughs) He's the one that makes sure all of it. We build it, and then he makes it safe. And so uh, we build some stuff, and he comes through and puts braces on it and handrails up and all this stuff. We all, you know, foam so kids don't hit their heads. And, you know, you guys could thank Brother Glover. They get through our stuff safely. (laughs) But, uh, you know, there's no handrails. There's no guardrails when kids can fall off. I saw that and said, hey, there's a problem here. Well, in our lives, we need to look and be aware of that. As a parent, we, we've got, we must be cautious for the younger generation, for our kids, and say, listen, I've got to protect them. I've got to put a hedge about them. We can't open the door and let Satan come and get a foothold here. Yeah. So as a parent, we feel that responsibility to make sure we protect our kids. But what about us as individuals? What are we doing to protect ourselves? What kind of hedge are we putting up? Do you have a filter on your internet? Do you have any accountability software or any type of, of way to protect yourself? Listen, Satan is po- powerful. Yeah. You may in your heart and mind think, well, you know what? I'm just not really tempted by that stuff. And, and so I don't really need that. You're not tempted right now. You're strong spiritually right now. But what happens in, in a month? two months, three months, when, when you're struggling spiritually, when you're down and you haven't put up any hedges, you haven't put up any guardrails, it's very easy for you to fall off. And then Satan's going to win. So you got to say right now, while well, you're spiritual, put the, put the guardrail up, put the hedge up to protect your family. And you do it by doing these things that are listed in the paragraph there. There was a blank there, family altar filled in, if you didn't get that yet. You must learn to stand and protect yourself from his methods, having your loins girt about with truth. Your loins, this is vital to your warfare. If you're injured in your, your loin area, you're, you're limited in your ability to fight, you're incapable to move effectively. Therefore, you must gird your loins with truth. Truth protects you from disabling wounds. Wounds that'll disable you. It'll knock you out of the fight. You're not, you're not dead, but you're disabled. You're unable to fight. Truth must become a serious pursuit of every believer's life. It is by listening to the lies of Satan or communicating or telling lies that we become vulnerable to Satan's attacks. Truth is found in the Bible and excuse me, by the accuracy of our communication with others. Beloved, truth is the foundation of our success, and we should long for and look for truth. You should love truth. You should be excited about truth. Getting anything from this book is truth. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth what? The truth Amen. That's, the, that's what's going to set us free. And that's what we need. We need that truth to set us free. And that's what is the foundation of our success, is truth. Now, I didn't even realize what time it is. It's 10.14. So... I have a whole another. I was hoping to get a little further than that, but that's where we're at. Uh, so we're going to stop there. We'll just pick up there next, next week. Uh, but these disabling wounds are, we've got to be careful, make sure we have truth. We can't over emphasize the importance of truth. Uh, let God be true, and every man what? We need to hear and listen to God. Let's close in prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Lord,